and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's topic, North Carolina's Brown Mountain Lights. Now, we've talked about this briefly on the podcast before, and you can go back and listen to that podcast again if you want to, Brown Mountain Lights. But I found this article that I thought deserved a revisit. It talks about these strange, mysterious lights that continuously happen over the Brown Mountains, specifically down here in North Carolina. Before I get into the article, though, I just want to bring up this one point. Every time I find something on the Brown Mountain Lights, and for that matter, it seems like every time I read something about the uh, UFO phenomenon known as orbs, or lights, or however you want to put it, there's always the conjecture that these things consist of uh, ball lightning. And it gets to the point where it's almost like ball lightning is a catch-all phrase, like swamp gas, or like people say the planet Venus, but any time that they try to explain the orbs, a lot of times, if at all possible, the skeptics all come up with this notion that it's just ball lightning. To my mind, though, ball lightning is a little more complicated than that. And actually, I do have a personal connection uh, to the phenomenon of ball lightning. Uh, not me personally, but my, my folks. They were at uh, a relative's place many, many years ago. I don't know, maybe 60 years ago. And they lived in a small house out in the country. And my my mom described how this ball of light came just zipping in the window, hovered over the kitchen table, about the size of a bowling ball, say, maybe, maybe a little smaller, just this intense glowing white light, white yellowish light, I think she said. She said it just actually sizzled there for, I don't know, a couple seconds maybe, and then boom, went off like a firecracker going off, or maybe like an M80 or something, I don't know. But she said it was the strangest thing, and they, everybody just said, well, that's ball lightning. That still doesn't give us much of an explanation. You would think something with that much power would have a lot more destructive power. I mean, if you've ever seen a tree hit by lightning, or, you know, heaven forbid, a person hit by lightning, usually it's fatal, you know. Um, you see giant trees that are just split in two with one strike of lightning. So it's... It's hard to imagine how any uh, manifestation of lightning wouldn't just be uh, super destructive like normal lightning is. I found this here article on Nautilus.com, and it says, A new explanation for one of the strangest occurrences in nature, ball lightning. And the article is by Chris Drudge, dated August 1, 2017. Now, you can go to the Twitter account. UFO warning, and you can you can check the uh, articles out there, link to them, and while you're there, you know, go ahead and follow. It says, um, every so often, given the proper conditions, a small and roughly spherical piece of atmosphere around us will briefly catch fire as they are best viewed late into the night and have no obvious natural explanation. It's perhaps no wonder they've inspired her with mythology, a rich mythology. Names for balls of fire include Ignis Factuous, uh, Will-O-Wisp, Ghost Lights, and Ball Lightning. They've been said to hover above graves, dance along the banks of rivers, signal the imminent arrival of an earthquake, and stalk the aisles of airplanes. Even today, we don't have a crystal clear understanding of how they form and do what they do. It almost seems to me like what this person has described here could be multiple different phenomena with all completely different causes which happen to have the same effect. I don't know. 
it says, he goes on, he says, uh, even though we don't have a crystal clear understanding of how they form and do what they do, which doesn't mean scientists have, well, dropped the ball, Chinese scientist H.C. Wu recently offered a compelling new explanation in scientific reports. Scientific, excuse me, some fireballs appear to be the products of living organisms. The decay of organic matter, for example, in marshes and other wetlands, or even a, or even a mass grave in a Polish forest, leads to the release of methane and phosphorus-containing gases such as phosphine, which can spontaneously catch fire, <clears throat> encountering oxygen in the atmosphere, producing a flickering light suspended in midair. Some, on the other hand, are electrical in origin, sparking within the ground during an earthquake as stressed rocks release a stream of electrons to the surface, <clears throat> where, interacting with air, they produce flashes of light. Still others form in the atmosphere, usually during thunderstorms, and go by the name of ball lightning. Ball lightning comes in most colors of the rainbow and ranges in size from a typical toy marble to those extra-large exercise balls some people sit on instead of office chairs. It can form inside closed spaces and move down chimneys and horizontally through closed windows. In addition to producing light, Ball lightning can give off sparks and is associated with hissing or buzzing noises and a strong, irritating odor. It typically lasts for only seconds, glowing with the intensity of a bright household light bulb. The unpredictable and variable nature of ball lightning has made it difficult to develop a conclusive theory explaining how it works, but accounts of its strangeness are numerous and have been published for centuries. It goes on, it says, in the spring of 1963, for example... The late astronomer Roger Jennison was absorbed, was aboard rather, a late night flight through a storm when he witnessed the appearance of a basketball sized ball of light shortly after lightning struck the plane. The ball emerged from the light's cabin and passed down the aisle of the aircraft, he said, maintaining the same height and course for the whole distance over which it would be observed. In another instance, a woman from the United Kingdom reported she was sitting at home when without any warning a great orange ball, rather like a big grapefruit, but more orange and fluffy at the edge, came through the front window, which was closed, and the blind was also closed. It traveled horizontally at about shoulder length for about ten seconds, and was immediately followed by a clap of thunder just above me, which was so loud that I shot out of my chair. And that's reminiscent of the experience that my folks and my aunt had, actually. Uh, this ball, I don't know, somewhere between the size of a grapefruit and a basketball, I'm not really sure how big, just came in through the kitchen window, like I said, hovered over the kitchen table for a second, and then popped. The passage of ball lightning into homes via window panes and its ability to develop inside aircraft have proved to be challenging observations to come to grips with. Explanations for how ball lightning is formed are even more diverse than its physical characteristics just a sampling of the theories out there suggests the ball is a cloud of hot silicon particles, a natural nuclear reaction, of <clears throat> reaction, a lightning-induced elliptical hallucination, a miniature black hole, an aggregate of cilios and other natural polymers, and a microwave-filled bubble of plasma. So you can see there's quite a few theories as to what really makes these things tick. Microwave bubbles were the focus of the paper by Wu, a scientist at 
Zhejiang University in Hangzhou, China, while researchers have previously proposed such bubbles could be formed by microwave radiation emitted from thunderclouds or atmospheric masers. Wu theorizes that microwaves instead arise from a bunch of electrons accelerated to speeds approaching the speed of light. When the Earth is struck by lightning, specifically the electrons are accelerated by the strong electric field created as a channel of electrons move moves stepwise from the base of a cloud toward the ground, just prior to the bright flash we know as a lightning bolt, at the tip of a lightning stroke reaching the ground, who says a relativistic electron bunch can be produced, which in turn excites intense microwave radiation. Regardless of their source, the atmospheric microwaves produce plasma by charging up the surrounding air. The radiation exerts sufficient pressure to push the plasma outward into a bubble, which we see as ball lightning. Microwaves trapped inside continue to generate the plasma and so maintain the bubble for its brief lifetime. The ball lightning eventually fades as the radiation held within the bubble is dissipated. On the offhand chance the bubble is ruptured, microwaves can leak out and cause the ball to come to an explosive end. The presence of microwave and plasma as components of ball lightning can explain several of its properties. For example, microwaves can pass through panes of glass, which is why windows don't bar the entrance of ball lightning. Microwaves also tend to make an audible noise when they encounter a person's inner ear, and the plasma they produce will in turn generate acrid smell of ozone from, from atmospheric oxygen. What sets Wu's microwave origin theory apart is that it explains how ball lightning can appear inside an aircraft. Electrons, being tiny relative to atoms, are able to pass through the metal shell of an aircraft after being accelerated outside of it via a lightning strike. Microwaves are then emitted by the souped-up electrons inside where they form ball lightning. The electron microwave plasma pathway also explains the size of ball lightning since the length of the electron bunch sped up by the lightning strike matches up with the typical 20 to 25 centimeter diameter of the resulting microwave bubble. As is ever the case for science, more work needs to be done to firm up Wu's theory. It's based on particle stimulus, so experiments will be necessary to verify the proposed electron microwave plasma mechanism by which ball lightning is formed. And then the article goes on a little worse in there. Overall, a pretty, a pretty interesting read, actually. And I definitely would check that out. I also put on the uh, Twitter site a link here to um, not only the article that we're going to look at next, but to a Google uh, image uh, showing where um, exactly these brown mountains are and where the, the uh, sightings that we're talking about occurred. Now, this here article I found was from Gray Area News. <clears throat> it's dated June 22nd, 2020. So that's just, what, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. It says, UFOs, new documentary series, spotlights, legendary North Carolina brown mountain lights. And the <clears throat> and doesn't list an author here. It just says guest author. Now it begins, it says, while the brown mountain lights have managed to elude spectators, researchers, scientists, and curious-minded tourists for almost a century, the phenomena has yet again sparked the, the interest of a larger audience. This time, the ghost-like phenomena has been incorporated into the subject of UFOs and UFO encounters. Now, this is this one I have not seen this documentary yet. 
UFO Unidentified Flying Object, or UAP, it says, have been a hot topic for most of 2019 and 2020, with the Storm Area 51 movement taking over social media in the summer of 2019, and more recently, the U.S. government declassifying documents pertaining to procedures on reporting UAP experiences, the subject has become nothing short of water cooler discussion at the workplace or among casual enthusiasts. And that is true. The UFO topic, I can tell you, uh, just from uh, the, the number of downloads I get on this podcast, has really it's grown exponentially just in the last year alone. As the UFO phenomena garners more and more attention from the general public, Small Town Monsters' latest documentary series on the trail of UFOs explores the truth and experience behind one of the world's oldest phenomena. The multi-part series, available on Amazon, offers eight episodes exploring topics like alien abduction, mass sightings, UFO sightings reported by larger groups of people over a large distance, UFO hotspots, and components of UFO history not commonly explored. Then it says, one of those uncommon UFO subjects is the topic of ghost lights. Now, this is what some people call these lights that, that are found down there in the Brown Mountains. Basically, these are these orbs that uh, rarely, not super commonly, are observed uh, hovering uh, throughout the valleys above the treetops in in this mountain, in this low mountain range down there in North Carolina and um, further south. It says. As these lights do not have a discernible origin, the folklore and history of spook lights fall within the subject of UFOs. The trail of UFOs touches on the lo- on the local ghost lights, known as the Brown Mountain Lights. Brown Mountain is located in the Pisgah, Pisgah National Forest, crossing Burke and Caldwell counties in North Carolina. The Brown Mountain Lights, a series of ghost lights reported near Brown Mountain, can be seen from multiple spots along the Blue Ridge Parkway. Now, I think we talked about this in the other podcast. People actually go to this, uh, along this highway, and there's a place where they can pull over in the evening, just pull a car over on this little, you know, parkway, and stand there and, and, and try to observe these lights. Although, I have to tell you, I downloaded another short documentary link on here that was done about five years ago, and the people in it talk about having been to this place dozens, if not hundreds of times, and only being able to view the lights maybe on four or five, half a dozen occasions. So they don't seem to be something that just comes out every single night. It says, it goes on, it says, while there are scientific researchers observing the phenomena, the legends surrounding the Brown Mountain Lights and anecdotal experiences allow for the mysterious lights to live on as a part of Appalachian culture. The lasting legacy of lights have allowed them to garner the attention of researchers, photographers, conspiracy theorists, and now filmmakers. Ohio filmmaker Seth Breedlove of Small Town Monsters chose to feature the Brown Mountain Lights and other ghost lights due to their significance in regional phenomena, as well as his local ties to the area, says Breedlove. Quote, The strangest thing about Brown Mountain Lights is that I grew up traveling into Marion every year for youth camp, and despite spending large amounts of time in Marion over the years, I'd never heard of them. Historically, there's a huge importance that should be placed on the lights. They're culturally a big piece of the local lore, and there are some fascinating stories and research about the lights that help to illustrate the way the area has changed with time. Now, possibly he hadn't heard of them because he never asked about them. You know, a lot of times these paranormal or these strange uh, natural occurrences like this, whatever they are, people don't like to talk about them because 
you know, they might be viewed as being a little bit crazy. So anytime uh, you're researching paranormal or UFO topics like this, sometimes you really have to listen close and get to know somebody before they'll talk about their experience with you. During an ex- expedition last year in the Linville George in the Linville George Gorge, rather, wilderness area, local paranormal research and podcast group, Creep Geeks Podcast, captured footage of the Brown Mountain Lights from the Wise Man's View Overlook. The 4K camera footage of the lights, as well as an interview with Greg C., host of Creep Geeks Podcast, are one of many featured interviews in a series discussing their experiences with unexplained aerial phenomena, says Greg. Greg C. Quote, my family is from here, so I grew up hearing about the lights, but never sought them out until I returned to the area. Using tips from locals, the team traveled to both the Brown Mountain Lights Overlook and Wise Man's View. The Wise Man View location provided the best photographic and video results with the camera gear we had available. This says the podcast host went on to add that they continue to explore other regional spook light phenomena in North Carolina with local enthusiasts. The footage and evidence, while brief, make up a larger body of experiences surrounding the lights and aerial phenomena in the area. According to the National UFO Reporting Center, or New Fork, the earliest reported UFO sighting in Marion dates back to June of 1967. According to New Fork data, North Carolina ranks 12th highest in the number of reported unidentified flying object sightings in the U.S. And that's interesting because, you know, a lot of times we... we see a strong correlation between UFO sightings in these mountainous areas. It's maybe it's almost as if either it's a natural phenomenon, such as some type of ball lightning. Kind of hard to see that, really, if it's not occurring, you know, in conjunction with weather events, but some type of natural lightning event, or if it's actually a UFO phenomenon, maybe they are somehow drawing energy out of these mountain, mountain ranges. Maybe this is even a habitat for them. I don't know, but there does seem to be a correlation. It says... Small Town Monsters is an indie production company documenting unusual events and phenomena throughout the small town America, subjects such as Bigfoot, werewolves, Mothman, Thunderbirds, UFOs, and other unexplained phenomena are explored in the episodic series or full-length documentary films. Their focus is to explore the folklore and legend that grow from small towns, telling stories through the experience and of witnesses while exploring the greater cultural impact across America. Sounds interesting. Current projects include... Mothman Legacy, and The Mark of the Bell Witch, legends that took place in small rural areas and left a lasting impression on the American folklore visit. Well, it is an interesting little write-up here, and I think that that might be a documentary worth looking at. This is something that we have talked about in the past, and I think it's good to keep to keep uh, updated on these subjects as we continue our investigation into them, and it's and besides that, it's great fun. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over now.